0: It's equal protection under the law. It applies to everybody, so it's all or
1: none. 90% of all abuse happens with somebody that is known.
2: But it's not about peddling fear. It's really about dealing with the reality.
1: If you make it hard for somebody that wants to do harm to a child to get in, they'll back away.
2: And now, the Safety Zone. Mike, good morning. We're here with another episode of the Safety Zone and we have a special guest today, Mr. Don Keener, who is the director of Safe Ministry Solutions and fairly new. I think Don has been with you for two months, if I'm if I'm not correct, Don can certainly correct that. But Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce Don, because you have such a special relationship and background and also a great story on how it all came to be that Don was heading up Safe Ministry for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, Melinda. Don and I go back, wow, probably 14 or 15 years. He was my pastor, and we've shared on previous podcast, kind of a different season of my life when uh, I lost my first wife and Don was my pastor at that time. And so, you know, just walked really close with me during that whole time. Then Don moved back to a church where he had started. And we had actually reunited back in, I think, January kind of pre-pandemic, just breakfast, just kind of like, hey, let's have some breakfast and catch up. And so we did a little catch up right before the COVID-19 shutdown, And About two or three months later, Don reaches out and says, Hey, you know, I'm getting ready to make a pivot out of ministry and I'm reaching out to a couple buddies that are in the business world. He said, I think I'm gonna do a one eighty here and, and leave the church after a long time and can you help me kind of make my resume look business-like? And the funny thing with that is, and I don't believe in coincidences, we were launching Safe Ministry, even though we work with thousands of churches. We had never really created a specific brand for the church market. And so Melinda, you know, because we were working through revamping the website, right. everything was coming yes. together. And the, the one piece we were missing in the puzzle was who's going to lead safe ministry. And mm-hmm. I had been grooming somebody internally, I thought for sure was going to want to do this. Mm-hmm. She just wears her faith on her sleeve. And I remember sitting down with her and I was like, you're not going to believe the opportunity I'm going to put in front of you. And I mentioned safe ministry, and I thought this would be the perfect fit. And she looked at me and she goes, I don't think that's what I want to do. I really like where I'm at. And I was like, woo, I was a little bit surprised by that. But I've been around long enough and tried to kick enough doors in on my own that I realized, hey, there's a bigger plan here. And I told some of our leadership team, I said, I'm taking two steps back. I'm, every time I push a door open, it's a big mistake. And I bet it wasn't two weeks later is when Don reached out that asked me to kind of help him sharpen up his uh, his resume. And, and Don may remember, but I can't remember if I even mentioned safe ministry <laughs> The first time he reached out, I think I just sat back and told my wife after I got done with the call, I was like, you're not going to believe this. I don't have any idea where this goes. But that's how it started. And here we are. Within a few weeks, we were able to to pivot. Don came on in the middle of the pandemic when we were kind of holding everything steady. So it's just funny how God has a plan. Sometimes we have a plan. And exactly. if there's any lesson in this long introduction is the <laughs> door. It closes just step back for a little while and see what happens. Yes. So.
2: so we want to hear from Don because we we know that God works in the different seasons in our life. And Don, you know, it, I was laughing when Mike said left the church <laughs> to come on. And and we know that you had a transition, certainly are still ministering in the capacity of, of many different avenues, which we're going to ask you about. But really, you felt a, a different leaning, didn't you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me on to to this podcast, to the Safety Zone podcast. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. It's been a not just with COVID, but just transitioning during COVID. But yeah, just the, the ministry part of, of 30 years and and then transitioning out of ministry during this time has been a wild ride. But as Mike was talking about, there was a closed door on his end in leadership. My wife and I during during this time were praying for God to open doors because He closed Ooh. one as we found ourselves in a, in a in a growing church, one I'd been involved with for seventeen years. And it was a great ride, really good ride. And six campuses that we have across the city of Indy, I was heading up the and working in the discipleship area at one of the campuses and just loved it. But yet we saw that, hey, there were some things happening and knowing that we possibly may need to pivot. We just started praying for God to open doors within or open doors without. And mm-hmm. he definitely, with some things we had going on with our family and some of our kids still at home, decided, hey, we could do ministry outside the umbrella of the church yeah. And and then God opened this door with Safe Ministry that still keeps me connected. That's what's exciting. It keeps me connected with the church, yes. and talking to pastors and trying to help them as I learned. Mike used a word, though. He said um, he was grooming somebody for um, <laughs> for that position for safe ministry yeah, and i yeah. started laughing because that three months ago i would not have laughed but now that i'm reading about abuse and predators yeah. gro- grooming is a big word right yes
2: yes that, a whole different connotation isn't it
1: exactly, exactly yes
2: well don you i mean you do have just an impeccable, I mean, just wonderful background in ministry. And and like you said, people of faith, everything we do is a ministry, right? I mean, no matter what our job is, whether it's within a church or, or a parachurch, or whether it's in business or in service industry, doesn't really matter what it is. You two both have just such a fantastic relationship and experience, and and you were there for Mike as as a wonderful pastor when he was going through a very tragic and horrible time in his life. But you also both seem to have the same heart for what you're doing, and that's so important. And I know pastors know it well. It it really comes down to the heart, and you have a heart, right, for the protection. Of, of children, of families, and, and of the church.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And what made it this exciting as I started to hear about Safe Ministry, is I knew about Mike's product and what he was building with Safe Hiring Solutions. And then as he said, hey, I want to bless the church. I want to give them an excellent product and then help them and almost like partner with them to come alongside to say, hey, we want to keep your church safe from the babies.'" in the children's wing, Mm -hmm. all the way to the physical part of the building, we can help you. And he's just Mm -hmm. got to, a very giving spirit and with that we started to to talk more about safe ministry and how we can develop that even more so the church can get a great great um, partnership with us but also a product and we can help them so mm-hmm. yeah mike's heart and i definitely uh, beats in a, a similar rhythm especially when it comes to the church
0: right and i would even say over the years i've had safe hiring for 15 years And there's been numerous times over that 15 years, I've told different leaders at the time and even our entire teams at meetings that, We are a for-profit company, but I've always considered it a ministry because what we do helps people. Yes, we get paid to do that, but we've always approached this as a ministry. Two years ago, we picked up the largest client we've ever had, and I remember the day we got the notice that we won the award, our leadership team was sitting there, and I said, don't lose sight of the fact this had nothing to do with us. We were nothing in this process. They knew us from nobody. If you look at how everything happened and lined up, there was nothing we did that got us to the point of winning this award. You guys did a fantastic job doing everything we needed to do, but don't lose sight of the fact that I sat back and go... That had nothing to do with us. So we've always considered ourselves a ministry. I think safe ministry right. now, it allows us to, within the safe ministry umbrella, the conversations can be completely different sometimes, too. So it's really interesting. It's it's funny how God works. I can remember even telling my dad one day, I said, hey, you wouldn't believe who I'm getting ready to hire. And he's like, who? And I said, Keener. He goes, Keener? You're hiring a pastor? And I said, yeah. And so I was telling him the story. I mean, he likes Don. Because Don's uh, Don's into athletics, and my dad is kind of singularly focused on athletics, so he always liked Don. But he was just like, "Wow!" And so it's just it's a it's it's a fun ride, you know. And and I'll be I'll, I'll be it, it honest. True. Don's already yeah. shown impact. <laughs> Oh, I'm
2: thankful. It proves proves the point, Don. I had a pastor once that uh, said pastors are people, too. (laughs) And I thought, you know, we sometimes actually lose sight of that, don't we? (laughs) So, Don, with both of you on, I think one of the, the critical things is what do you see as being the biggest challenge? To the church today and to to really to any community of faith that meets together, that fellowships together. But what, what challenges do you see facing the church when it comes to issues of protection, of needing protection?
1: I think it's probably just a lot of it's education. I've been educated the past two months by Mike and our team at Safe Firing Solutions, the education of what's out there and the threat that is to the church, not just the physical, like the, the person that comes in and does damage physically to with a, an automatic weapon, but the kind of the mental side of somebody that wants to come in and has a bent towards hurting people that are vulnerable. And that's one area that we're trying to really bring some education to, how they can protect, how a church can not be vulnerable to somebody that wants to control and prey on those that are vulnerable. And those would be our kids, right? Yes, and yes. So getting the word out to help them. Because, I mean, pastors wear many, many hats. And that's one area where you're just going to go, oh, I know a little bit about that, but not enough to be dangerous, right? Or not enough to have a good defense. And so if we can come alongside them and help them just say, hey, here are four, five, six things that, that we know work that mm-hmm. help you defend your community and your church up to like 90%. To, like greater of a defense that we can educate them on. And it's, it's, that's exciting, but it's probably a great need that they have.
2: Yes. So many of our episodes, Mike have really been about showing we're not peddling fear. There's a lot of times out there where companies, and even to be honest with you on the nonprofit side, sometimes in ministry, because let's face it, there's just so much in our world to be fearful of, right? But it's not about peddling fear. It's really about dealing with the reality of what we see in society. And, and I don't think there's anyone that knows better or should know better than that, than the church, because we know we're living in a sinful world. And Mike, we've had many podcasts that have talked about the reality of the church being vulnerable, whether it's to predators, more so, I believe you've said from inside rather than outside, though, of course, there has been shootings, there have been threats to people's safety in churches, and we've seen, you know, horrible accounts of that in all places of faith, not just on the Christian side. But Mike, how do you see that, you and Don, in the sense of balancing that, that it's it's not an issue of trying to instill fear. It's really an issue of dealing with things in a realistic viewpoint, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, and... 15 years, we've been selling security products and never peddling fear. But I'm going to tell you, in the world we live in right now, we've been immersed in four to five months of extraordinarily intense fear. First, the pandemic. And it's still here. And people, Mm -hmm. you can see it. Some people are scared to death the pandemic. Now we've got cities burning and looting and the political Mm -hmm. warfare that's happening right now leading up to an election Mm -hmm. and who's going to protect us best and people are scared. I want Want yes. Churches, schools, anybody we work with, I want them motivated because morally they should be doing this to keep people safe. Right. I'm not scaring you into doing something mm-hmm. you don't want to do. The reality is that churches are not any different than other organizations we work with. Some of them are motivated more by fear of liability than they are by mm-hmm. a, really a, a biblical mission to protect children. Mm-hmm. So to talk through the fact that there is a lot of opportunity for risk and litigation by not protecting the children. And I know we were talking to one of our advisory board members who's going to join us in the future on a podcast, but he made a statement that has been bouncing in my head. He said, Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck Smith had mentioned one time that if the devil can't destroy the church, he will join it. And I'm telling you, I don't know right. why, but that is such a powerful statement to me because we are in the business of not letting him join the church. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And it's much easier to join and kill from within than it's going to be to really destroy the church in itself. And so, no, we're not motivated by fear. Don's probably witnessed Bart. this over the, his first two months. There's many times on the phone, conference calls, Zoom calls, we're talking organizations out of buying products. Big church in New York right now, they came to us because of thermal fever scanning. They're in a hot spot. And I don't know that that is necessarily an interest of theirs today because we've worked through a lot of other opportunities for working with COVID as well as creating a 360 model where security is is not just like Don said, uh, automatic weapon, but it, it's a virus. So how do we protect completely? And there's a lot of sharks in the water. Anytime there's an opportunity to make money on fear, you're going to have all kinds of companies yeah. that show up, They got products, Google COVID protection products today, and everybody's got a solution. Some of them can be Mm -hmm. good, but yeah, we're not in the business of, of selling fear.
2: Yes. And Don, you come with a great unique perspective because you, for 30 years, right, were as a pastor. So on the inside, what just from your experience as a pastor, and like you said, they were so many hats. Where where do you see maybe the biggest weakness or need for education in the church? And need for doing things and taking a look from a bigger picture, I guess is what I Yeah.
1: Thinking. I would say from, from the deep of the, just to, to help let's just take for example, defending your children's area in a church. Mm -hmm. They're very vulnerable, right? That if we can help churches understand, they can do some very simple things that are hugely effective from keeping a potential predator out of their children's ministry. We do know the fact that every 12 hours, there's a sexual predator that is filling out an application to either volunteer or to try to get on a full-time staff to a church or a nonprofit that deals with kids. So Mm -hmm. that's a fact. Mm -hmm. They're trying to, right? To get Mm -hmm. in. And if you can educate pastors, people over that children's ministry, hey, here's some things that you can do that slow the process down and make it hard for them to get in, right? Mm -hmm. So having an application process, having interviews, doing really good reference checks that get past their two best friends, and and then slowly onboarding, which is um, attention, Because any growing church has a tension of going, we need volunteers and we need to rush them now because we have such hard ratios to meet up. I mean, you got one to three, one to four ratios when you're dealing with kids, certain ages, right? And so you'll want to rush adults in And and that makes you vulnerable because they're looking what we find with somebody that wants to hurt a child in that way, physically or sexually wants to abuse them. They're looking for the easiest access. And if you can make it a little difficult, what we find and what I'm reading is that they'll step away and look somewhere else. If you can train your volunteers on what to look for, on why we have policies and procedures. I mean, I talked to two churches yesterday, one in Colorado, one in Northern Indiana, just on our training hub that we're developing, a continuous training hub that you can access that will be four or five videos that are six to eight minutes in length and to where they can understand what grooming is, how Mm. someone grooms the adult community, how they groom a child, and then how to use your intuition with the knowledge that you have. But that volunteer, the reality is that volunteer that is trained well We'll be able to identify, hey, why is that person possibly not following policies or procedures? Oh, now I get it. Why we have procedures, right? One or the two. And if they and so they can be eyes on the ground to be a, a huge defense. Mm. And what we find is that if you make it hard for somebody that wants to do harm to a child to get in, they'll back away. You give them a waiting period of a few months, they'll back away and go to an easier place to, to get in to get control over over children that are vulnerable.
2: I see that's an interesting point, which leads me to ask you a question. Do you see a difference in... A church leadership that from a bigger church versus a smaller church in terms of their readability, you might say, to be willing to do background checks, willing to do certain things. The reason I ask that is just, and I, I know I have brought this up with Mike, but I've often wondered if it is out there. But I, the church that I went to for 15 years out where I live now, beautiful, wonderful body, wonderful fellowship and wonderful pastors. But there was... Kind of a split there in the church there was a dissension because they didn't want to run background checks mm. because we know everybody this is family we're offending people that have worked here we're offending our membership and and there was that division of some people on that side and then others that were you don't know. What someone's doing on their own or in front of the computer and that kind of a thing, and so I was just curious about that. Uh, if that's well, let me—I
1: shared with you that my reading has changed a lot, right, over the past two months. Let me, <laughs> yeah. Melinda, let me educate you. So, okay, most people that are uneducated in regards to how a predator works thinks that stranger danger is ninety percent of who abuses a child, right? Right. It's, it's actually reversed. It's ten percent is stranger danger. 90% is a friend, family member, somebody that has built trust. You just gave an illustration to say, hey, we know everybody, they're family. Well, we're saying, well, you could be in trouble (laughs) because 90% of all abuse happens with somebody that Mm -hmm. is known. And they build trust and control, and then they harm, find an open door. So even when you help somebody walk through and say, hey, here's the facts. Now, to prevent a defense against what we know is true, let us help you, okay? And let us help you walk through with your congregation, your church, your people to say, hey, we're doing this because I think you've been misinformed on who really hurts kids,
2: Right. And technically, and I might be real naive about this, but because I had worked with kids, we we had a group called Pioneer Girls. And um, my opinion, it was like, why would anybody be offended to take a background check unless you're hiding something? You guys both know, too, it's hard to nail down someone, right, that is a predator just through a background check, even though you need to do that, correct?
1: Yes. But a background check's one area of defense, but you need to have about four or five other things Mm-hmm. that are in your culture of your church, especially when it deals with the vulnerable. And the vulnerable will be really youth and children. Having a culture that really tries to and wants to keep kids safe is the ultimate defense. And then you're always going to be liable because there, there's people that are aggressively want to hurt and fulfill their sinful desire, right? Right. But, it, but you as a leader need to go, hey, am I, am I doing the best I can? Are we doing all we can to keep kids safe? And I can rest on that if something right. were to happen under your leadership.
2: So really, if someone's offended by uh, filling out or doing a background check, then they're offended.
1: I would say, yeah, they're offended, yet they need to be re-educated. Yes. And, and then I would say, I'm sorry you're def- you're offended, but there's going to be a much more harm if we don't do something. And, and just the residual, the ripple effects, if something happens under our watch. And we were and we were negligent. Not to you, the person that's offended, but what about that child? What about that family, right? Exactly. That has to now help that the trauma that's been induced because we erred on the side of grace or hey, we don't want to put up a safeguard to protect these kids because we want to just show grace to everyone. That's just being naive.
2: Right. So it's the be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove
1: yeah that's that's a good quote
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mike, where do you see the future of safe ministry going? what is in your heart what is your ultimate goal what what would you like to see taking place?
0: Yeah that's a good question. Really what we are doing with safe ministry is creating really a totality or a 360 model to help churches just be safe to understand. I think Don coined it correctly when he said education is kind of the biggest need. It's always interesting when you go out and talk to organizations, and we work with many more than than churches, and and a lot of them fall into the same category. They've adopted a lot of things security-wise, but then you almost have to go in and walk them backwards a little bit. and Because if you don't build that on a foundation of understanding and education, then a lot of these tools really don't work very well. And you guys were just talking about one area that comes up a lot, and it's believing that background checks might offend somebody in a church. Uh, Sometimes we're dealing with church members who think they're above the background check because they're a police officer. They're a fireman. They're with the Secret Service. They're with DCS. I've had a background check. Well, I'm going to tell you, I arrested a lot of cops. So what I tell police or anybody that feels like they're above that, first of all, that's an attitude because I am police, my whole family. When my kid's school district sends me a link for a background check through my own company, I don't say that's my company. I just complete the background check and Mm. push it right through because it's precedent and you've got to look at it from a legal perspective too. And so when Mm. you start setting precedent that says, all right, we're going to accept yours and yours and yours, what happens is we can sometime down the road, accept a background check that we don't even know how to authenticate. But because you say you work for DCS, we accept it. And if this person harms somebody, we don't want to be in the business of setting that kind of precedent. So it's like it's equal protection under the law. It applies to everybody. So it's all or none. And so It's really about education and helping them understand where the background check fits, where the training of volunteers fit, where Reflink fits, because 80% of sex offenders do not have a criminal history, how to make the physical building more secure. So that's really the mission of Safe Ministry moving forward, is to really help them create a roadmap, not waste money in areas, because we talked to a church this week that I think they used the phrase, we're going to spend hundreds of thousands on cameras. And I think that was probably more of just a statement. But before you spend hundreds of thousands, I would like our team for a little bit of money to evaluate that and say, here's how you can do it wisely. So I think we approach this so that they spend their limited dollars they have very wisely on things that are going to move the needle to keeping people safe.
2: So what is the first step that... That Safe Ministry would do a pastor hears this and thinks, oh, they have some interesting points. What is the first thing that, Don, that Safe Ministry would do for a church? Or what do you think would be the first best thing? Is it assessing what their church needs?
1: Yeah, I think we would listen as they come on and talk with us, listen what they're already doing. And if there are some, like you said, a church that has not done any background checks, we'd say, hey, you you need to start there, right? Mm -hmm. And then we would probably walk them through, how are you vetting your people that are working with kids? And walk them through just what we've learned through what experts are telling us what needs to happen. We would walk them through how to vet properly. And, mm-hmm. and then we would probably walk them through another step of, hey, part of that vetting is really getting to know and having a slow process instead of a fast process, but getting to know who you're interviewing through an application interview references. And those are things they can do on their own. We make no money off those. <laughs> We're just saying, hey, these keep your kids safe. These help you. No, mm-hmm. defend. We don't make the policies or procedures, but there are some, there's definitely great sample forms that a lot of our partners in insurance um recommend, but we'd probably say, hey, you got to have some policies or procedures that keep kids safe. And here are some obvious ones, right? Mm-hmm. That we know that as we're educating, if you can eliminate isolation between an adult or an older youth with a child, that you will prevent abuse up to 90%. So just mm-hmm. training them and helping them be educated to go, hey, whatever, Whatever you do from eight o'clock in the morning to twelve on Sunday, no isolation Mm -hmm. for a kid, no one-on-one. So put that in your policies. What's that look like when they enter in when a parent drops off a kid with three adults in a room with 13 kids or 15 kids? What are your policies that you're putting in place that keep those kids safe so that they're not isolated with an adult or an older youth one-on-one? So there's Mm -hmm. things like that that we would kind of walk them. But first of all, I think our, our team does a great job of listening first to where they, when they come to us or when we go to them or we get a platform where we can speak to them, we, we talk about, Hey, just listen, see where they're at. We want to listen and then, and guide you. We really want, I want safe ministry to, I want, I want it to be in every church mm-hmm. in the U.S. I do, because I feel our product is excellent. And I feel like what we give to help the church protect themselves is a great model, but a really good resource for them. And so we want to be a partner. Yeah, we're for profit business, but man, Mm -hmm. both Mike and I love the church. We love the bride. We know where it ultimately ends in regards to our faith and belief. And we want them to stay on mission. We do. And so we would listen first and then walk them through some steps. And I talked to a church out in Colorado that's going to eventually be moving in a new building. I walked them through kind of our process and said, hey, this is where you you need to check this. They are on their background checks what you have because they didn't really know what they had. And hey, you need to get here but not yet, right? Um, You can't do everything. Let's do this well. And then let me step you on helping you understand how to do better reference or how do you vet. And this is a church of just a little over a thousand people. So it's not a a small church by any means. Right. But they're they're looking at trying to go, hey, we gotta reorganize how we bring in people to our children's ministry because they really were very haphazard.
2: Right. Mike, like you said, you've been working with churches for for years. But as we see the temperature in our society and and even now with COVID, COVID's brought in a whole new dimension, hasn't it?
0: Well it absolutely has. And part of what we're working on right now, and I would even... Just to piggyback on what Don just mentioned, once we get a church to that point where we've assessed and they're adopting and they've got a great roadmap, I would say foundationally what we're also excellent at beyond listening is we're technologists. So we're not going to give you a pen and paper to do these things with. We know how to integrate things together. And so with your rock and the church community builder and a lot of the church management systems, it's integrating that into a flow that further or, sure prevents any kind of mistakes or human error. So the COVID piece is one where we've got in development right now currently, where you could have employees or your volunteers or visitors, once you come back into meeting, be able to answer questions, CDC questions. And I know with one of the New York churches we're speaking with right now, they have some specific requirements through the city and the state. And so we're creating those where their employees can check in from home. We don't want them to walk out the door Mm. and infect anybody on the train or Uber or Or on their way to work to find out, oh, yeah, I do have a fever. So they answer these at home and they can mobily check in from home. If they answer a question, yes, which means they have a symptom, they're locked out, sends a message, they can't log in, they can't come to work, stay home. So we're creating kind of, they are self-reporting tools. But compare that mm-hmm. to $5,000 per thermal device, they make mm-hmm. a lot more sense. And so we're technologists as well. And part of what we're doing with COVID is creating opportunities to to help keep them safe from, from virus, which may be an ongoing thing they use forever as they deal with flu and, and other viruses mm-hmm. in the future.
2: And I might add on that, you're helping them to to be able to meet state requirements for them to do church in person versus streaming. And that, especially in this age, is so critical. You know, I'm in the Northeast, and our churches are still not meeting inside. We can do certain things outside, and it's finding those requirements. And I think every state is different, quite honestly, right now, but just encouraging pastors that I'm sure can be overwhelming to look at what the state requirements are. We've never experienced something like this before. So it's nice to know that safe ministry can help with that as well. I think that would take a big burden (laughs) off of some pastors. As it is, it's just hard doing all of these things and having to recreate, which I think many have done well to do church, right? But in the age of COVID, there's a whole other requirements, a whole other spectrum there, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. One last aspect of that is Don and I were introduced to a concept called Fidgetal here recently, which is where I think the church is at today. One of the big assessment pieces they're doing right now is virtual is going to be a continuous part of their world forever. You can reach more people, but there are some very specific security as well as digital <laughs> requirements as it relates to how do you do not just worship, but how do you do children's? And mm-hmm. it's an aspect we've added to the 360, if nothing more right now than a, than a discussion point to prompt them to think through, even as you open up, you're going to have a, a virtual presence. And it's a different world. And how do you operate in that virtual world and keep people safe?
2: So fidgetal is the word for the day. Right? the word for the day. I've never heard of digital before. So that's really funny. Don, as we're wrapping up here, because it's amazing how the time flies when we have these conversations, but such an important conversation. And just thankful for both of you and and just your heart for the church, your heart for families and kids, and, and for ministry, for the leaders who have so much on their plate to begin with. Don, we have a pastor or church leader listening in and, and they really want to get a hold of you guys. They want to know a little bit more and maybe they have questions. What's what's the best way for them to contact? Definitely
1: um, go to our website. I mean, that's what everybody does, right? You can go to com, and we are on there with Safe Ministry. So please check that out. Yeah, we, we're passionate and this is what I, I love for 30 years. The hard part of being a pastor that represents Jesus is that I mean that's the ultimate, right? Of in the realm of truth of of the product that is 100% pure. He is my Lord and Savior, right? And I want other people to have him also. When I came to Safe Ministry and looked at what Mike did, it is an excellent product that I look and go, wow, I can I can share this with mm-hmm. um, with integrity because we really want to, to share that with the church and give them something excellent. One of the things we talked about is that we are a 360 solution, security solution that helps campuses, congregations keep kids safe so they can stay on mission. That's what's driving me. They can contact us through the web. That'd probably be the, the easiest way.
2: Well, Wonderful. Well, thank you to both of you today. To our special guest, Don Keener, who heads up Safe Ministry Solutions, and of course, Mike McCarty, who is the founder and president of Safe Hiring Solutions, which is the parent umbrella, you might say, of Safe Ministry. So thank you both.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: This podcast was sponsored by Safe Hiring Solutions. See us at safehiringsolutions.com.